Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 101, Basics, Jesse, Classes 101, Resisting Misinformation. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us, from the Gospel Underground Worldwide Headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Jesse, it's good to be with you, good to see you. We are back, 101, we're in a new century, or no, yeah, century for us. Heading towards episode 200, and uh, you are in your Bonhoeffer House gear. You are branded. You are geared up. This is for the dozens of people that watch the That's the right, video. the video, the dozens of people. Check out the, the house. We are thankful for you who watch the video or the yeah. clips. We have hundreds. Oh, lots of people watch Hundreds the watching the clips. I even the, micro- the clips. Even the microphone clip, which was long, got you know 150 views I watched already. those. Yeah. Hey, how about it? Yeah, I wanted to rep the Bonhoeffer House today. I'm actually, I'm actually going from this uh, to meet with a pastor that uh, I've never met with before who, who contacted us through the website, BonhoefferHouse.com, wow. and, uh, and wow. wanted to hear more about the Bonhoeffer House. So I figured out where the sweatshirt, so he knew who I was. Art, artfully done plug of the bonhoeffhouse.com. Well done. <laughs> and you are uh, socially distanced from me, of course, That's because right. we are responsible citizens uh, in the pandemic. But you are also vaccinated. Is that, oh. is that Can I say that? Oh, you've outed me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got the shot? I got the first I got the Who's first got round. the shot? You got the shot. I got the first round today. I can feel it a little bit on my shoulder. I guess there's clergy privilege or something. Yeah, uh, clergy right. clergy privilege. Yeah, so uh, I didn't know that. I had a pastor friend contact me to say, hey, are you getting the the, sh- the vaccine? And I was like, no, I'm 40 years old. I'm, I'm a healthy person. I don't, I'm don't. i not I'm not in line to do it. And they said, no, there's a, you know, clergy is considered part of the, you know, the, you know the, there's Essential stages. Essential there's 1B yeah, or something. The, yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm glad clergy get that because you guys do work with lots of different people. Yeah, and, we've got, we've got. I mean, a, a fair amount of people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, some of whom have cancer who aren't coming embodied, you know, aren't coming yeah. on Sunday mornings. And uh, up till now, I, I've either, you know, visited with them outside, distanced, and that was really a while ago because it's hard to do that in the winter in yeah, for Southwest sure. Virginia. So, That's right. uh, so you know, within about a month or so after that second one, I'll be able to go and See sit in people. the living room with them. Well, that's great, man. And uh, everyone, hope you're staying well. Um, pray for my mom. She's still positive. Um, I just got a text from her again this morning, but she's, she's feeling great. She's been on the up and up and up, but she just needs to get that double negative test so she can get back to work and everything. But, uh, God's peace and love to everyone out there who may have loved ones or friends who are struggling with their health, um, or economically in light of this, we know that's his, uh, mentals, our mental health, uh, spiritually, this is a hard time for, for all of us. And so the times that try our souls, the soul needs to turn the gaze, uh, Uh, to the one in which we can have hope. We're grateful to do that here on the Gospel Underground in the borderlands between the church and culture. We have a great opportunity to be a witness to um, let your reasonableness be known to all and everything by prayer and position. With thanksgiving, we let our requests be known uh, to God. Well, Jesse, I'm excited. We are continuing in our series about resistances. Obviously, we just had an inauguration. We just had a capital riot. We just had four years. We just had lots of things. And uh, we have the future now, whatever that might be. Um, And we've been talking about, providentially, um, the reality that as God's people, we always have to 
realize, right, that we're sojourning, the place of our journey uh, is not, right, the kingdom of heaven yet fully realized. We said sojourning in Babylon. We looked to the example of Daniel and his friends who were taken by empire, educated by empire, but retaining their identity as followers of God, of Yahweh, so that resistance thinking is necessary for us for relevance with faithfulness to God that we want to be. Why do we want to be resisting cultural influences, left, right, whatever they might be, in a certain time and place? Why do we want to resist that and and maintain a kingdom identity is to influence others in the Great Commission, the gospel, uh, and also be a refuge. Our our lives, our families, our communities, our churches might be places that are different that we might be able to connect and communicate love well, communicate good news well. So the last several episodes, uh, other than our special editions with Kayla College and Christmas and things like that, uh, are looking at things we must resist in our current cultural moment here in the West, in America, that we have to resist this lust for power, that the answer is the strong man or power, or the lust for pleasure, just that our endless entertainments and diversions that can take our hearts and minds away from what is good and right and true. We have to resist both those urges that are present in our cultural moment. And then then we looked at resisting the encroachment on human rights, that human rights have their uh, existence and being. They come from God, creating us in his image, and that we have to resist this erosion of our humanity, um, that all people have a certain vested dignity and honor because of what God has made in a human being, and that we have to resist the dehumanization that's happening all around us, uh, others. Today, uh, we're going to talk about resisting misinformation. And now, Jesse, you know, you know this, and you can tell the good folks here on the underground that I plan in advance That's right. um, the episodes, our series, what we're looking at. I'm not going to say we here. I'm, I'm going to say me. I, I plan in advance, uh, far in advance many times, you know, sometimes six months or so out on things that we're going to talk about. So this is not in response to the Capitol or anything like that or, or current conspiracy theories that are floating and going around. Um, this is something that I think is important and have been looking at for a while. And it was really provoked in me uh, in early 2020 when I was reading a book um, on technology and its influence in our lives. So our topic today is resisting misinformation. Um, and the problem, right, is acute. And now, no matter where you're coming from in terms of today's debates and cultural wars and political infighting, you can be coming from anywhere. And I want you to listen today. Um, I'm not just speaking to liberals or conservatives. I'm speaking to myself. I'm speaking to my friend Jesse and to all of us, right? The problem um, has become more and more acute because of the proliferation of information. There's so much information all around all the time, knowing what is true. And my good friend Jared Lynn, uh, who's a campus minister up at Brown University, had put this before us maybe two years ago about how do you sort through truth and falsehood when there's so many voices speaking. Now, I was reading this book by Brad Smith. Brad Smith 
is uh, he's, I think this is still his role, general counsel for Microsoft. So kind of a the head attorney who's been kind of through all sorts of uh, ups and downs with that company. And Smith's um, book was called Tools and Weapons, The Promise and Peril of the Digital Age. This was published in September 2019. Now, Smith's book is looking at how that we probably need, and this is going to set some of you off, both private uh, companies, technology companies in particular, self-regulating um, as well as government regulation of certain things. It, that these two things working together are probably going to be the solutions we find uh, because of the problems, right, that are coming about in the digital age. So this is from chapter six in that book, Social Media, The Freedom That Drives Us Apart. Because, look, we all have freedom. We love freedom of speech. We don't want that curtailed. That's part of our, our country. That's part of uh, uh, liberal society's uh, freedom, right? Speaking what we want to say, even if it's not popular, that the man, whoever that is, uh, can't shut us down, right? The government has no right to curtail uh, the opinions. You can speak against the government in, in our country. This is thing. But the problem is, and this was a, a chapter that was interesting. It began, I believe, looking, I think the country was, I don't have it in front of me, Jesse, Estonia, and kind of the the propaganda they had from the Russians and all this stuff and how freedom became something so valuable. And there was a museum dedicated to that kind of idea. And so this is out of chapters. I'm going to read a little bit to you guys. So what do people do as the museum exhibit observes? They find a tribe. This is what human beings do. We find a tribe. And in our case, a cyber tribe. People seek out online groups of like-minded people and replicate communities that have always characterized human society, right? This is what we've always done. Bowling leagues, uh, interest groups, right? Political parties, people group up according to ideas that they like or, or topics they like, fantasy football, whatever it might be. These groups in turn become connected, more connected, but less open, choosing their preferred channel and the people they want to interact with. They share information based only on a single vantage point. As in the real world, people can be quick to believe the worst about others, right? They're not in our tribe, especially people they perceive as different from them. People's defense mechanisms then start to kick in. Idealism, in short, then collides with human nature. So what's happening is that you can, because you can curate who you follow, who you listen to, you can start listening to voices that believe the same thing as you do, have the same experiences you do, and then anything else becomes suspect, right? We all know uh, not everything we see on the internet is true. Yeah, I was. Uh, this is a really interesting read because just today, after I got my vaccine, I was chopping it up with the guy in the, uh, you have to wait after you get a shot, you know, I make guess, sure you make, don't freak out sure and have anaphylactic shock or turn something. into a lizard person immediately or anything. <laughs> so, um, and, and, uh, we were talking about politics. Oh, good uh, job. Yeah, I know. Can, yeah. Can you believe it? And, and this person was saying that, uh, uh, why is it that, that Trump, um, galvanized so much, almost worship, whereas, uh, someone like George W. Bush, 15, however many years ago, um, who was clearly a lot more evangelical, a lot more, you know, kind of uh, traditional Christian, didn't. And then also, why is there so much more divide? And and I was just, I was, you know, I was just being a good uh, listener. listener. Yeah. And the person was saying, uh, maybe it's because of the internet and social media, because, uh, and, and they were remarking how um, right now, more than ever, 
you, 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 you know, back then, 20 years ago, you didn't look at someone who voted different than you as the you're, epitome of evil. You're, yeah, yeah, the incarnation um, of all that's wrong. Right. It wasn't like the next uh, incarnation of Hitler or, or right. something like that. And that now, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. You know, now it's like, you're Hitler. No, you're Hitler. Yeah. Your no, people you, are Hitler. No, look at your right. Look at our right. You're worse yeah. Yeah, than you're Hitler. Worse you know, than Hitler. Hitler. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is a thing that I think isn't new to humanity. I think it is exacerbated by information technology and social media. So uh, Brad Smith continues in chapter six, more and more we find ourselves absorbed. Anybody out there find yourself absorbed in electronic conversations with people they aren't physically with. Sometimes we are a world apart. Digital technology has made the world smaller and people more accessible, but it has also cast a deafening silence between people sitting next to each other. So it's very common sit on your couch with your kid. Everybody's on their phone, but you could be in a rage war with somebody on Facebook. This phenomenon isn't new for more than a century. Almost every technology that has connected people who live apart has also created new barriers between uh, people who live close together. Turn off the TV, turn off the radio, get off that phone, get off your smartphone. This isn't new, but what is new is these echo chambers that form, right? This, this creates challenges. Now, what we've seen in, in Smith's argument is not only is this kind of a human phenomenon, it also creates new challenges for democracy, right? Spending more time online, he continues, sometimes with complete strangers, right? Uh, has made people more susceptible to disinformation campaigns that like to play to their likes, their desires, their prejudices with real-world consequences. Now, look, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, these things are designed, particularly Facebook, uh, are designed to know what you like, know what you will read, know what you will click on, know what you will buy uh, comprehensively. Because why? Advertisers love that. They want to know everything about you so they can sell you stuff. That in and of itself isn't so evil, but what about bad actors? Right. We know there's been state sponsored disinformation campaigns to throw people into a tizzy. There are bots and trolls and people from other countries that are turning people against each other in social media. This is not uh, hearsay. This has been uh, studied. It's being looked at by uh, uh, officials who do intelligence, cyber intelligence. Um, this has been, uh, uh, you, you might be set off and ruin your whole day, right? You're all emotionally mad at somebody that might not even be a real person. Or it might be a real person you've never seen, you don't know, and have no relationship. So here's the problem, and this is the last quote uh, that I'll share from Mr. Smith, but the internet is no longer in its infancy. Its impact today is globally ubiquitous everywhere. Nation states, terrorists, criminals exploit social media sites for nefarious purposes. Political leaders increasingly are joining traditional publishers in questioning whether social media sites should continue to get a legal pass. Um, this is a Virginia senator, actually, um, uh, Mr. Warner, our senator, Jesse, points to to the um, expected spread of deep fakes, people uh, shown in videos doing and saying things that's not them, or sophisticated audio and images synthesis that can fake us out, uh, depicting someone saying or do something that they didn't do. As an additional reason to oppose new legal responsibilities on social media sites to police their content. Now, Jesse, we're not getting into today. I'm just going to tell you guys out there, we're not getting into today whether Facebook, Twitter, etc. should be treated as publishers 
and not platforms. This goes back to, I think, 1996, the Telecommunications Act of 1996, uh, the Communications Decency Act, Section 230. It's being debated all the time. Section 230 gives basically platforms a pass where they're not treated as publishers. Because look, if you publish something, say, uh, in, in USA Today that's wrong, you're liable for it. If someone says something wrong on Facebook, well, it's just every day on Facebook, and Facebook itself is not liable for it. Or if they do, if they choose by their own to do some moderation, right? If they take something down, they're not liable because they're having their own community decency standards that they choose. The debate today is whether or not. Facebook or Instagram is biased and going after certain points of view or not. And should they have this exemption and should they be treated as publisher? That's a great debate. It's a policy debate. Uh, both Republicans and Democrats are interested in that debate, whether there's more regulation needed. Jesse, we're not doing that today. Maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one day we give our, <laughs> we can give our uninformed opinions on, uh, uh there, I do, I will put in the show notes, uh, section two thirty, the actual yeah. law, law.cornell.edu. I have a link for you, but we're not doing that today. But I want you to hear guys is that we have a problem. Mm. We can be taken in by falsehood and social media makes that worse. We can be taken up into hysteria, fear, confusion, and social media can make that worse. And, all those things can be inflamed and then end up out in these streets. People can die because of it, right? Obviously, we've seen this uh, in all sorts of circumstances. No matter who's right, you want to call virtuous or vicious, um, all are bounding. There are riots today because people get inflamed, organized, and do things through social media. A few recent examples where misinformation has happened. And I think these are two clear examples, Jesse, uh, and I'll share them uh, from two political perspectives. So I won't uh, make everyone angry at if, the same time. Well, at everyone, but at different times, <laughs> at different times, equal, <laughs> we're going to be equal opportunity. Um, do you remember in January of 2019, a guy named Nick Sandman had on a MAGA hat, red hat from Covington Catholic High School? You remember that? Yeah, the kid from uh, from Kentucky. They were on a field That's trip. Right. That's right. And uh, were outside of their bus. That's right. A, yeah. Waiting to be picked up or something yeah. at a certain location. Very common. I grew up in Virginia Beach. You grew up in D.C. D.C. Yep. field trip. Yep. Meet at the Lincoln Memorial. That's right. right? Yep. Uh, happens all the time. Well, that day... I saw a video clip on social media that I got angry about yep. because it looked like a little white MAGA kid, right? In the face of a native American person and these people chanting and screaming at this native American man. And of course I didn't write anything on that day, but lots of people did. Lots of people were talking about racism and how this little MAGA kid was this terrible person. Even got picked up by the Associated Press, Washington Post, CNN, right? Uh, pick up, picked this story up and positioned these little racist kids wearing MAGA hats. Even there was an African-American kid in the crowd, and they were like, oh, look at him, right? He's with these guys. The only problem was, uh, Jesse, all of that framing, short video clip, positioning, and uh, statements about Nick Sandman were not true. Now, how do we know that? Later on, other videos came out. Um, apparently there was a group of black Hebrew Israelites who were, you know, shouting things and, and apparently the kids to, to avoid 
conflict with them, just started doing school cheers just as they waited. And, and apparently the Native American gentleman, I believe, uh, Nathan Phillips, was actually the one who came into them. He, they weren't messing with that guy at all. He kind of came in there and got in their face, and the kid was standing there not knowing what to do. Mm. It, it turned out to be this awkward moment for a, for a child. And now what happened? Well, um, they actually sued CNN, the Washington Post, I believe, and certainly the Associated Press. And CNN was sued for $275 million, and they settled. They paid this family and settled out of court for this. But a lot of us thought that it was something that turns out later on uh, it wasn't. Maybe some people today still think, well, we really know what it was. Uh, this is the power and effect of images and positioning and narratives that happens on social media. So that's where one area you might say uh, the left got it wrong. Well, this next thing, Jesse, is shocking and just came out a couple weeks ago that just this month, the American Thinker website published this. I'm going to ask you to read this, Jesse, because this was published by the American Thinker website, conservative website. Um, and this is pretty interesting thing that they published themselves. Full text, I'll have you read it. Yeah, that's right. So this is the text. American Thinker and contributors Andrea Widberg, R.D. Wedge, Brian Tomlinson, and Peggy Ryan have published pieces on AmericanThinker.com that falsely accuse U.S. Dominion Inc., Dominion Voting Systems, and Dominion Voting Systems Corporation of conspiring to steal the November 2020 election from Donald Trump. These pieces rely on discredited sources who have peddled debunked theories about Dominion's supposed ties to Venezuela, fraud on Dominion's machines that resulted in massive vote switching or weighted votes, and other claims falsely stating that there is credible evidence that Dominion acted fraudulently. These statements are completely false and have no basis in fact. Industry experts and public officials alike have confirmed that Dominion conducted itself appropriately and there is simply no evidence to support these claims. It was wrong for us to publish these false statements. We apologize to Dominion for all of the harm this caused them and their employees. We also apologize to our readers for abandoning nine journalistic principles and misrepresenting Dominion's track record and its limited role in tabulating votes for the November 2020 election. We regret this grave error. Okay, before you get angry and say, oh, Dominion <laughs> did this and that, this is a far-right website publishing grave error. We published false statements. We abandoned journalistic principles. These have no basis, right? There is no evidence that Dominion acted fraudulently. Well, the fact that uh, uh, the, the statement that Dominion did this was uh, thrown out there um, – fomented into a rage it was represented by attorneys that were uh speaking on behalf of at least uh, the president's current the former president's cause and it was completely false now why did they publish this jesse why did oh, why, <laughs> why do you uh, think the, because, the american uh, thinker would publish that because dominion was probably suing them yes they said, hey, you better state the truth or we're going to sue you, yeah. right, for yeah. defamation or libel, slander, these sorts of things. Now, it's interesting that both of these things involve lawsuits because, look, we have free speech, but you just can't say anything about anybody without repercussions. Right. And this is a shocking publication by the American Thinker that just absolutely repudiates the conspiracy that they themselves were fomenting earlier. Now, these things happened, right? 
Um, I'm not saying who believed what in the Capitol, but I bet some people believed that this MAGA kid was a little racist, um, and they, they, they were willing to slander him publicly and on the news, right? This kid. Um, and I want to say that some people believe Dominion was some big conspiracy that was stealing the election from Donald Trump. Misinformation has consequences. It has consequences for our interaction with one another. It has consequences for our political discourse. It has consequences for people's lives. And uh, if you name the name of Jesus, we should not be those who desire to purvey falsehoods or to believe lies. Now, what are we to do, man, Jesse? How do how do we sort this? How do we resist this? How do we how do we stay? I don't know. You can't stay clean from it. We're all sinful in this world. But how do we deal with? How are you going to deal with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? What are you going to do with that? Oh man, I'm so glad you set me up for that. You set me <laughs> well, up because you're going to do something different because than I'm going to do. I am getting off yeah. of it. I'm I'm cutting it off. I've I've made the decision. As a matter of fact, the only thing I'm waiting for right now is that. Um, I'm going now, listen, I, I will say this. Uh, I'm not anti all social media. Uh, I may not going to judge me if I don't get off all social media. I'm not going to judge other people because I won't have social media available for me to judge them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you judge me on Twitter. Uh, not on I Twitter. Can't, I'm not on Twitter, yeah. so I can't judge you. Yeah. Well, I am right now, but yeah. I won't be. So I'm making a personal decision. So I, I've, I've decided to become a, um, placist a placist okay yeah. so so what i mean is uh i've decided i, re- I really want to refocus in this stage of my life on the particular place that god has put me in uh the particular people that god has put me with and if social media um allows for that to to work out where i can actually stay more connected with the actual people that i could run into at the grocery store or uh, or in my family or my close friend groups, I'm going to stick with yeah. them in my church. So, so, uh, I'll be using things like group me because I can group together, you know, my, uh, for instance, what I've got going on right now is I've got a, um, a group of people that I'm in charge. I, I, I care for. And so they will be in a group me where I can, I can get information to them. Let them, let them know about podcasts that we're doing and send them articles that maybe are helpful that I've yeah. written or other people have written. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to some of the more, uh, I'm going back in time. I'm going to blog, <laughs> going to blog, um, web blogs, web blogs. <laughs> I'm going to continue to podcast with you and yeah. then over, over on the Bonhoeffer house. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason I'm doing that is all of this. So it's not all of this. There's multiple things, but, uh, one thing I realized personally is my attention and my affections are drawn away from the actual people that God has yeah. called me to be with. Uh, and then I, and then I've give the, give it over to these you know, robots or strangers, either to voices of people you don't know or people. I just don't know the global influencers. And, and I've, I've realized like my job isn't to influence the culture, to change the globe in that sense. Um, but to love the people that, that are, are with me. Um, so that's how I'm dealing with it, but no judgment on you. Yeah. uh, And and you can still read broadly from news sources of various ideological perspectives. So you can get a balanced diet of what's happening in the world. You know, social media, um, you know, they hire psychologists to have to try to keep people, you know, addicted to it, to stay, you stay on there. I mean, I, I, I've deleted Facebook off of my phone and my, and my iPad, so I don't go to it hard, you, yeah, hardly you, at all now. But, yeah. And that's good. Yeah, and, you, and you've yeah. watched the, uh, the Netflix. Yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't watched it. it yet. You've watched it. I haven't yet, but, um, I know the technology the stuff social, about it. Yeah. The social, social dilemma, dilemma, which is yeah. really a lot about the, uh, algorithms, the data mining, oh, the, yeah. the, oh, but yeah. you know, and the interesting thing, yeah. thing 
about that is um, if you if you read, uh, I have a computer science degree, Jesse. I you, know how this stuff works. Algorithms. <laughs> I don't even know what they are. No, if yeah. you uh, if you read the criticisms of the of the of the documentary that came out, say two or three months ago, um, one of the biggest critiques of the documentary is that it's. Uh, it's over the top. Like, yeah. come on, you know they they make claims sensationalist, in there. scary, yeah, yeah. and they make claims in there that things like, um, you know, social media could lead to a civil war and things like that. Well, now on this <laughs> side, on this side of uh, the 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 riot in the Capitol building, yeah. um, it's starting to look a little bit more like well, yeah, it's 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 interesting because like many tools created by human beings, it has some wonderful potential for great good and but just a huge potential for yeah a disinformation you know, and, and then chaos because of its misuse and use. And, and there's just the, you know, I'm maybe I'm old school, like just even the privacy implications of some of this stuff, like Google and Facebook's, you know, you know, Tim Cook from Apple, the CEO of Apple, Apple, not Apple computer, Apple incorporated, you know, is always saying, Hey, we sell products. You are not our product. And he's kind of going after Google and Facebook because look, their product is selling us yeah. to advertisers, which sometimes it turns into an Instagram ad that gets me a, a grill. That's the best grill I've ever owned. You <laughs> know, true. it could happen. Um, but other times it can, it can lead to, so that's one option. Get rid of it, man. You'll have to participate. There's nothing that makes you less of a human. If you're not on Facebook, maybe it'll make you more human. But certainly, even if you're off social media, we are still in an age where there's lots of information and little discernment. So, Jesse, I figured what we would do is spend a couple minutes here talking about some principles, uh, philosophical principles even, that will help us be skeptical about truth claims and then give us some tools to not be too skeptical to actually believe some things because we do we are belief forming belief acting in fact Jesus calls us to if we love him to obey him so we have to know who Jesus is and what his commands are mm. um, truth from false discernment I, we certainly want to teach our kids how to do this and certainly in an age of social media I'm going to begin uh, a little prescription in an odd place with uh, something called uh, Peronian skepticism. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, common, common, uh, common phrase, yeah. but this is a, an ancient mode of skepticism or being uh, suspicious about people saying they know something is true that comes out of the world of ancient Greek philosophy. In fact, I learned this at Virginia Tech, uh, taking some philosophy classes for fun. Now, Peronian skepticism or ancient skeptics actually were trying to believe nothing. So uh, we'll give you a little bit of how to defeat skepticism here as well today. So, they, But their idea was we have these tools at our, uh, our disposal that can help us believe nothing and then kind of sit around happy like a banana slug or something. Um, so I'm not advocating Peronianism or, or uh, skepticism, but the tools they use, I think we need to look at to help us not get deceived by false claims and misinformation. Now, the tools, now I'll put a link in there if you want to read this. This is from the Stanford uh, Encyclopedia of Philosophy uh, uh, article on a guy named Sextus Empiricus who wrote The Modes of Skepticism. And he had five modes. The first one is, uh, hey, people dispute what's true. And because nobody can agree, there's no truth. Or I don't have to believe it. Secondly, he said, hey, you can always throw justifications for truth back infinitely. So like, Jesse, why do you believe that you got up this morning well because i got up this morning well how do you know that and you just kind of trace it well i know that because i have senses well how do you know your senses are trusted you always can ask questions and every justification has to be justified mm. so you can be a skeptic that way third mode uh relativity different people have different opinions from different frames of reference now that's just true 
but it can be used to believe nothing. So that's what he used it to. Like, well, that guy says that, and he says that, so I ought not to believe any of that. Now, we don't go that way because we're not skeptics. But these modes are helpful, right? For me to realize everybody doesn't disagree, me to realize some people's justification of what they believe maybe not be reliable. People do have relative frames of reference that they're coming at things. Uh, fourth, the, the hypothetical mode that you could always form a, a, a hypothesis and then question it. And then finally, the, the reciprocal mode um, is occurs what ought to be confirmed under investigation is basically circle, circular reasoning, Jesse. If, if I'm trying to justify this truth claim um, and I use this other thing to justify it, well, you, you, you can go back and doubt that one too. So there's a good reason, Jesse, to be a skeptic. And for us, we are faced with the reality when some people are saying different things, uh, I think the skeptics are on something, is that we shouldn't jump to judgments. That sometimes the wise person suspends belief about something until more things can be known, right? So we don't want to just be skeptics, but we want to be skeptical of truth claims until we can verify them. Um, And here's the thing, Jesse, we have such a beautiful tradition in the Bible uh, about wisdom, about how we should discern true and false, and about what people say that should give us cause to be patient and do do the hard work of saying, hey, is this really true? What somebody's calling me to march on and believe and to burn something down, should I, should I question that first, verify it before I stand in it? So the wisdom tradition of the Bible— um, Jesse and I are just going to take take some turns here reading some um, some scripture, most of it out of the book of Proverbs, the Old Testament, but also from some other places in the Old and New Testament about how we should be something uh, the Bible calls discerning. This is Proverbs 17, 24. The discerning sets his face towards wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Now, Jesse, that gets to your localism. <laughs> Right, if you're thinking about everything in the world, right, all the time, what everybody's saying all over the world, all the time, you're gonna you're gonna be a fool. But I've, I've never had I've never had a life verse before. I think I might, <laughs> I might have just got one. <laughs> the fool <laughs> eyes are the, the, the earth. Okay, next one. Yeah, Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, "The one who states his case first seems right, until the other comes and examines him." This is great for our legal tradition, right? If somebody said, "Hey, he he killed that guy." And you're like, oh, yeah, he killed that guy. Put him in jail. And if that was the end of the case, we would be like, oh, my gosh, what a travesty. You need to hear all perspectives and sides of a certain thing. So, hey, he seems right, but wait till this other guy says what really happened as well. The, the case of the the MAGA kid yeah. in D.C. was certainly in that genre. Um, Proverbs 14.29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he who has a hasty temper exalts or lifts up foolishness or folly. This is going to get to how we go about discerning truth is our temperament about things matters. What is the spirit I'm in as I'm hearing something? You know, when you get really mad, um, you're probably going to be foolish at times. And Mm. so uh, what state are we in matters as well. I'm going to I'm going to throw two out there. One is Galatians 5:22. It is fruit of the spirit. One of the yeah. one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Yeah, yeah. And and which is like uh in our era is it's almost like that has become um uh 
uh, a bad thing. Yeah. Like to have self control is to be, I don't know, passive or something. Passive, boring, not an influencer. Hey, you should just go off right away. Right, right. No, what, what, but the fruit of the spirit is self control. And then another one that I um, find to be really helpful is Philippians four eight, uh, which is really a verse on on uh, on discernment, and that is uh, finally whatever's true, honorable. And I, I kind of shorthand this a little bit. Whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Think about these things. And so I, I just would want to say. You know, on the, the you've got the skeptic side, and then on the wisdom side is uh, to be informing with, with what good, is good and true and, and, and beautiful. beautiful. And, yes, yeah, and that helps us recognize things that are false and base and wicked. Um, there's some specific teaching in the scriptures about um, gossip, lies uh, that I think we need to take seriously. It's almost like if I get mad, say something on Twitter, it doesn't matter to God or other people, but it does, right? Your use of social media isn't exempt from the wrong use of our words or foolishness in the way we approach other people or even just vitriol or hatred way mm. we uh, look at people. So here's Exodus 23, 1, this out of the law in the Old Testament, you shall not spread a false report. Now, if you don't know something is true or false, why would we spread it? But we do. We retreat it. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness, right? We don't model maliciousness in behavior. And some people are like, oh, he owned them. We, we're gaslighting people. We're, we're going to light him up. That is not the way that God would have us to walk. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, one of the things before I read the next one is, Looking at what happens in social media, even in Christian circles, it's just remarkable to me how often uh, uh, bearing false witness against your neighbor is happening. Where, um, you know, because really the idea about bearing false witness is not, the law isn't saying you can't, um, you know, lie, you can't lie to the, to the Gestapo about the Jew hiding in your, in your cellar. You might interpret it that way, and that's okay. Yeah. I don't think so. I think yeah. actually what Bearing False Witness is primarily yeah. talking about is representing someone falsely. Yep. And, and maybe in a court or in the in the court of public opinion to, to say, this person is this, when that person is saying, no, I'm not. Yeah, you know? ruining someone's reputation and their good name over something that you have no idea if it's even true or not. That's right, that's right. So, okay, that's Exodus 23.1. Proverbs six sixteen through 19 says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. I think, Jesse, meditating on that, these are things that God hates that are abomination to him. Um, this stirring people up against each other, falsehoods that do that, running into weakness, shedding blood, violence, these things God is not with. That's not the way of our Lord. Proverbs eleven nine: with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. So we have to take seriously, right? Um, what we say and think about things before we say and say things about other people. Mm. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight: a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. 
And you guys have probably seen that out there, whether in families or relationships, yeah. and someone who is trying to triangulate and dial people up and against each other uh, can create just horrible, horrible uh, relational realities that you know, just just burden the human race. And then finally, Proverbs twenty nineteen: Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. That's someone who runs their mouth too much. Um, the, when, when words are many, sin is not absent. I don't have that in us, but it's, it's um, when someone talks too much mm. about things we don't know, um, we get in trouble. Now I say this, Jesse, because all of us on social media or in life sometimes speak before we, you know, we before we think or we don't know what we're talking about. And so, as we close today, in light of this, this is guys, this is so important. If we want to build together, right, uh, families that love each other, communities that are strong, churches that can be uh, a witness and refuge to who God is, we have to take this seriously about the way we discern truth from falsehood and then what we do with the things that are being said all around us. There is no easy prescription for this or, hey, I'll give you five things and you do these, you'll be great. Um Actually, it's much easier to discipline a toddler. It is to, to discipline a 40-year-old who runs his mouth too much. Um, but I'm going to give a suggested flow. And by flow, I use cult, I mean, I mean a culture, a way of being, a way of life. Friends in New Jersey were part of our church. And, you know, I, I use the word flow all the time to describe culture and, and way, a way of being, right? And so I'm just going to give us four simple practices to be rightfully skeptical, take the time to discern and to come to, hey, you come across something on Facebook. Hey, is this true? My wife's asked me recently, how do I know if this is true or not? And we talked about this in the car, Jesse, yesterday, going to some doctor's appointments up the road. So here's a suggested photo. Number one, you have to suspend belief in order to take the time to be discerning. It takes time to ask appropriate questions. Someone says something, right? Um, if you're not sure it's true, we don't join in, we don't spread it, we don't retweet it, um, we don't say, hey, look at this, and inflame everybody on something you don't know. So this is where the skeptics are helpful, right? Suspend belief uh, to take the time to be discerning. If we're not willing to be patient, we will be deceived. We will be misled. Number two, keep a cool head. This is why the anger thing in Proverbs matters, or in even Ephesians 4, in your anger, sin not. Do not sin when you're angry. Um, keep a cool head. Devalue hot takes, right? We love hot takes, takes that are going to make people mad. This is a part of our culture that people love. People love to just say stuff to make everybody mad, and we could yell and have a TV show or whatever. Um, for us, we have to keep a cool head because, one, you get swept into anger. You're more likely to say things, right, that you don't want to say and believe things you may not ought to believe. So I'm not believing that. I'm not going to let that anger me. And, if, and look, if you, all you do is read Twitter accounts that make you angry all day, every day, um, maybe, Jesse, you need to consider. Join me. Yeah, join, join me, Jesse, right. right. <laughs> join me, friends, away from. The- I mean, you know, one thing that, that just by way of, um, you know, uh, so I, I wonder 2020 and 2021, in the midst of a global pandemic, when we haven't been able to be together, when there hasn't been, you know, I, I feel like uh, it, it has, there's a correlation with how much conspiracy 
theories are believed, how radical kind of thinking and antagonism has been this year. And I think some of that has to do with uh, we're not, we've got more time to pursue the Twitter thread. We've got more, we we have less of kind of a less embodied presence with other people to take our attention, less of a, so I, you know, part of, I'm adding my own here. Here's my added flow of uh, I'll be present in a faith community with people once yeah. you're able. Yeah. You know, that Where you can look at people's face. You can see the effect of things. You just don't have as much lives. time to yeah. you know, you know, mix it up online with uh, the sad thing is, Jesse, we know this, right? That that disembodied interaction was on the rise even before the pandemic. Yeah. This has only made it more acute. Um, that if you're only in a chat room with people who all think the same thing, you might be you might be being misled. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so suspend belief in order to take the time and be patient to discern whether this is true or false. Secondly, keep a cool head about you because our anger can lead us astray and, um, be with people. Jesse, great, great addition. And then third, um, just simply refuse to chime in and spread things that you either do not or cannot know to be true because gossip and slander is sinful. We have no right to say things about other people that we cannot or do not know to be true. Just don't do it. Um, this is hard because some people say they see something, it accords with our experience. So we're like, yeah, but we know. And people are doing this all the time, depending on where they're coming from, where their perspective. Somebody reads something in the mainstream media and they're maybe somewhat of a conservative person. They're like, oh, yeah, but we know. Um, and this is easy to do. And sometimes there's a lot of history that justifies kind of wanting to say, oh yeah, um, we've been lied to before by these groups, you know, growing up, uh, you know, being the only white kid in the black culture club, Jesse, African-American people, I've been, been, been sold a lot of stuff over the years by white people. So there's a right that people have to be suspicious of things. Mm -hmm. But let me just say something, man. Um, if we're following Jesus, we owe everyone and we owe it to God, to not just believe things and spread them when we do not or cannot know them to be true. So that that's just a posture, I think, right? Suspending mm. belief to give the time, keeping a cool head so we can be in a right spirit to be able to evaluate things. Don't spread things and become more part of the problem, letting the lie come through us, so to speak. And then fourth, we need to verify people making truth claims. And this isn't shocking. This is, these are basic uh, principles. Even if you look, I, I, I came across these kind of things, Jesse, looking at the, the, the accounts of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, right? Yeah. Um, the first one is this. This is all under four. Um, multiple attestation by known people, not bots or anonymous trolls, right? Multiple attestation by known people. Okay, you, you have one person saying this. It's one thing. If you have five people corroborating it, attesting to the same truth, it's another thing. If those people are tr- known to be trustworthy and they're all saying the same thing, the likelihood of us be- being able to believe this grows, right? This is, again, from Brad Smith, Tools and Weapons, later on in the book. He says, one important feature of the latter approach is its emphasis on addressing the spread of disinformation by not assessing whether content itself is true or false, but instead by providing social media users with an accurate information on people's identity. In other words, he's saying, when you run across something, how do you know it's a troll or a bot? We should know who said this, right? Uh, It's interesting when you associate um, a claim with a person, a real identity. Uh, this is um, 
this is more likely to be able to evaluate the source. He continues, it's a common sense approach that's been adopted in political advertising. You know, I'm Joe Biden. I approve this message. Uh, I'm Donald Trump. I approve this message. That's on there so you can know who's saying this. Is this some actor in the name of some other political action group or is this the message of the candidate? Then we can leave it to the public to decide if it's true, but let them make a decision on an accurate understanding on who is speaking. And in the 21st century, let the public know whether it's a human being or an auto- automated bot mm. that's doing the talking. So multiple attestation of a truth claim by known people and knowing who they are and trustworthy. Can they, can they be reliable? That gets the second point. You want to see unity on a truth claim uh, amongst voices that are reliable sources. Now, Jesse, I don't know if you've seen these media diagrams where it shows like far left media and then far right media. There's really great online. We'll we'll find one and link it for you guys. But you can just Google uh, bias spectrum on the media. Everyone knows that, you know, OAN or Newswire and then move to left Fox News. Then you move more to the center. These are news sources, right? It's okay to read conservative and liberal news sources. It's also good to know that's where they're coming from, right? And this is important. Are they entities that can be sued for what they're saying, right? Because they're responsible. Look, no matter what you think of the New York Times, they still can't publish false things in their uh, paper or their online website without repercussions, right? Now, they're leftist mainstream media. Know where they're coming from. And evaluate what they're saying. Now, you, when you have multiple people, like say if you have Fox News and the New York Times saying the same thing about the same circumstances, because they have differing perspectives, it actually ups our, uh, our belief. So the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection was affirmed historically by both those who were enemies of the Christian faith and by purveyors of it. That gives you more confidence uh, that it could be true what's being saying. The the Dominion American Thinker example here, far-right publication having to publish what is true, saying the same thing as other far-left publications about these specious claims about Dominion voting meetings. So number one, multiple attestation by known people, unity amongst reliable sources, right, and Third, a variety of perspectives and not simply coming out of uh, your echo chamber. What do the allies of this view and the opposition say? If there is a synthesis and consensus there, you have more uh, strong uh, inkling that there, that is a reliable thing being said. Mm. You know, this, this, uh, this didn't... Um Maybe we could pick this up later because I, yeah. I want to pick a copy of it up. But yeah. uh, Rod Dreher, didn't he just write a book about... Believe Not Lies. Uh, live Not By Lies. Live Not By live Lies. Not by yeah. lies. And um, I think that he's... You know, it'd be interesting to see what he has to say about um, uh, a lot of this because I think he's been writing on it a lot this year. Um, but I, I really appreciate the... Because even even for me getting the vaccine, yeah. you know, I, I wanted Is to do safe? some research. Yeah. <laughs> Is it safe? What are the repercussions? Uh, how important is it that it was uh, put together pretty quickly? Yes. Uh, what is an mRNA right, right. vaccine, and what right. does that mean? What are the potential long-term effects? And, um, and because sorry, you can find stuff on vaccines, 
<laughs> you can find yeah, that they're so, going to kill you and that it's evil. They're all that's right. And that, that's what I appreciate right. about the unity of voices among reliable sources, the variety of perspectives, because you really can find what you want to find. That's right. Uh, so you can't just say multiple attestations because um, you, if you go deep enough in your search, you can find what you're looking for. If you come Con- confirmation into a, bias, confirmation yeah. bias is, is, is a thing. And so I think it's really important not just to say, multiple attestations, but also uh, unity among voices of reliable sources, a variety of perspectives is really helpful. Guys, you're going to have pressure if you want to live this way. It's going to be hard. Here's why. Everyone wants you to say stuff about something right away. Oh, because you'll, you'll take it. Oh, wh- why aren't you saying something about something, something or other? And you say, well, hey, I don't know about that. Oh, oh, we know. And then all of a sudden you can take heat from that. Um, how do you look at one riding mob compared to another riding mob? You'll, you'll want to say something about one and maybe not about the other. Some people say, I want my voice to be relevant. I want to be out first. I want to be first to comment. I want to be first to count. I want to set the agenda. I want to be the man out front. Well, guys, let me just tell you this. There are more important things than being the man. In fact, if you're just trying to be out front and you're purveying falsehoods, you may be in trouble with God. That's more important. It's more important for your integrity and for the health and standing of your own soul. It's more important, truthfulness before Almighty God, who is actually our judge, not those who want to pressure you to say this or that according to their agenda on social media. Jesse, that book uh, by Dreher, I believe that phrase comes from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was a, a writer who, uh, right. his 1970 Nobel laureate lecture, um, he, he actually released this speech to the world in 1972. But there's a couple little phrases I'll read from that. The simple act of an ordinary brave man is not to participate in lies, not to support false actions. His rule, let the that come into the world. Let it even reign supreme, only not through me. Mm. Jesse, I want to, as a as my pastor, I just want to ask you to close our podcast on resisting misinformation uh, to read from counsel given to a small little church or Christian movement on the island of Crete that was formed in the midst of some chaos as well. Mm. And this, in the book of Titus, gives us, if you name the name of Christ, gives us uh, the way we should conduct ourselves. And we should not only take this to the heart, we should take this to Twitter, to the streets, to place, wherever we may be. I'll give you the last word from God's Word. Yeah, glad to. This is Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things 
so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Amen. Amen. Take it to our friends. The Gospel Underground Podcast is produced in partnership with the Bonhoeffer House and my pastor, Jesse Furry. Fury. I called you Furry. I get it all the time. Review, <laughs> review us. I don't say it all the time. It's maybe Not the first you, time. Yeah. Review us on iTunes. Be kind uh, when you review us because we accept five stars. We love five stars. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might have for us about today's episode or anything like Jared Lynn that you might want us to take up here on the Underground. Send us to info at gospelunderground.org. We are dialogue, Jesse, taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We out there, and we hope to see you there too. Peace. Peace.